So last week, last two weeks, we've been talking about um, just, we're going to start off here with just a little bit of a review. So um, we're talking about just the basics of Christianity, just the very basics of, of our beliefs. And um, last two weeks, we've been talking about salvation or forgiveness of sin by the shedding of blood. So let's, let's just kind of... Let's just kind of run through a real quick um, review on this, just real quickly. I'm not going to take a lot of time here, but Hebrews, back in the back of your Bible, um, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, um, James, Philemon, James, oh, I can't believe I got confused. First and second Timothy, Titus, there you go, Philemon, there you go, Philemon, Hebrews, James, there we go. Okay, now I got it. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 is kind of our keynote scripture on this topic, and that is, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And the blood of Jesus Christ washes away our sins. In the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats and rams, no bulls, goats, and lambs, those were what covered the sins of the people. They, 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 took, they, had to, they had to bring certain offerings for the trespass offering. They had to bring certain offerings for, for um, different things that they did. Sins committed in ignorance, they had to bring a certain offering. Uh, mistakes that they made whenever they were doing the, the, the uh, ceremonies, they'd bring a ram. So they had things they had to do, but, but it was always blood. On the Day of Atonement, as we've talked about, the high priest went in four times, and every time he went in, he went in with blood. And it's the shedding of blood that covered the sins in the Old Testament, and it's the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ that forgives us of our sins in the New Testament, in the dispensation of grace. So let's, let's look at Romans 4. So you're in Hebrews, so go back to the front to the book of Romans. Romans 4, and we're going to look at verse 24 and 25. Romans 4, 24 and 25. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Now, I was told a long time ago that justification can be kind of personified by saying, just, if I, just as if I never sinned. That's, that's the justification, just as if I never sinned. So, Jesus Christ was raised for our justification. Um, you know Romans 10, 9, and 10. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart God raised Christ from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. So let's look one more place, and that's, you're in Romans, go over about two books to 2 Corinthians, and let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 21. <clears throat> it says, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing or not maintaining their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto them the word of reconciliation. 
Now we are ambassadors for Christ, as, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled unto God, for he hath made him, who is him? Jesus. For God the Father hath made him, Jesus Christ the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus took upon himself the sin of mankind, that sin that separated us from God, that sin that made it to where we could never get back into God's presence. Our sins could only be covered. Jesus was made sin for us that we might be saved and be reconciled back to God, that we might move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of heaven through the gateway made available by Jesus Christ taking upon himself the sin of the world and thereby him shedding his blood, becoming our, our, our goat of sacrifice, our lamb of sacrifice, not goat, but lamb of sacrifice, then Jesus took upon himself and his shed blood makes me to where I can be saved. And his blood washes away all my sins. I don't need anything else to be cleansed from sin. I don't need anything else. I don't, need, I don't need to be baptized in water. I don't need to have my name put on a church roll. I don't, I don't need anything else. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all of my sin. He justified me on the cross. He reconciled me at the holiest of holies when he presented his blood himself as the perfect sacrifice for sin. So throughout the scripture, from, from Genesis to Revelation, it's always blood that washes away sin. That, and, and, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So now that we've kind of gone through that, let me ask you, how many in here tonight, you'll raise your hands and say, I know I'm saved. Not, not, I, think I, sa not I think I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. Every, everybody? So everybody's got their hand up. Okay. So, how many of you have ever seen the blood of Jesus Christ? How many of you have ever seen a priest dip his finger in that blood and put it on something? Never. Anybody ever, ever, in any shape, form, or fashion, ever, ever seen anything in a vision or anything where you see blood washing away your sins? Anybody? Then how do you know you're saved? In the Old Testament, they saw the blood, right? They saw the blood run around the side. They, they took the bullock outside the camp and sacrificed the bullock. They, they watched the priest put it on the horns of the altar. They saw him put it in containers and bring it back behind the, mercy, the, the cloth into the mercy seat and the holiest of holies. They saw it. So how do you know you're saved if you haven't seen anything? Very good. I hope you're reading your sheet. <laughs> we are saved by faith. Saved by faith. So, Luke, let's look at Luke 23. Here's something that's interesting, or that I find interesting. You may not find it interesting, but I find it interesting. The word faith. How many times is it in the Old Testament? How many times is the word faith found in the Old Testament? The whole Old Testament. All 39 books. How many times is the word faith found? 
two times. Once in Deuteronomy and once in Habakkuk. The one in Habakkuk, you know. The just shall live by faith. Two times. That's all that's mentioned in the Old Testament. Why is it only mentioned twice in the Old Testament? Because they saw everything. They didn't have to have faith. Right? They, they, they saw everything. They made their sacrifices. Everything they did, they did by sight. Because they were under the law. Right? So because they were under the law, everything they did, they participated in. If you brought your trespass offering to the priest, you know who laid his hands on that trespass offering? You did. You laid your hands on that lamb's head while that priest cut his throat. And you accompanied him down till he was dead. If you brought a goat for an offering that you're making, uh, just a praise offer to the Lord, if you brought a goat, then you laid your hands on his head, you watched it die, you saw it all. And so in the Old Testament, faith is not a, it's not a prelim. There, there's, a, there's a couple of people that lived by faith. We know Abraham lived by faith. There was faith in the Old Testament, but it's not talked about. But in the New Testament, oh my goodness, in the New Testament, if you go to Strong's Concordance, there's two big long rows of everything about faith in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, only twice. So, Luke 23, 39-43. And one of the malefactors which was hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, seeing you are in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today shall you be with me in paradise. How did this thief get to be with Jesus in paradise? By faith. He was saved by faith. Now I know this scripture sometimes generates a lot of controversy. But I'm going to tell you, my experience is that anytime you've got to start explaining a lot of stuff, then you're probably working too hard. The answer is by faith. He received Christ by faith. Just like Peter received Christ just like James received Christ, just like John received Christ, just like Philip received Christ, just like Matthew received Christ, just like Thomas received Christ, just like Labias, the son of Thaddeus, received Christ, just like Simon the Canaanite, just like Judas the Cariot, all of them received Christ by faith, just like this thief on the cross did. By faith. Yes, sir. That's right. That's right. We're going, we're, going to talk, we're going to touch on that subject, not tonight, but we're going to touch on that very subject right there. So by faith, this thief on the cross met Jesus in paradise because by faith he believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And because he believed in that, just like you and I do, he was likewise saved just like you and I are. And that's, it's, it's as simple as that. I don't know why men in, try to make it so complicated but it says, it's as simple as that. Simple faith. Let's look at Galatians. Anybody have any questions? We good? Galatians, the second chapter. Now, if, if you're not sure about Galatians, 
What Galatians is about is Paul went to Galatia and he preached the gospel and people were saved and he started a church. He, Galatia is, a, is like a state. It's not a city. It's like a state. So he preached and started several churches in Galatia. And whenever Paul started a church, there was always some people that came after him called Judaizers. And Judaizers were basically people that went into churches and said, Oh, no, that's too simple. You have to be circumcised and observe all the laws of Moses if you're going to be saved. You just can't be saved by just simple acceptance of Christ. You've got to be circumcised and, contain, and receive all the law. <clears throat> that's what the Judaizers did. So they would come in after Paul had set up a church, and then they'd come in and try to put them back under the law. Right? That's what they tried to do. Put them back under the law and say, you have to do all this stuff if you're going to be saved. And so Paul writes Galatians. And, uh, and that this very book is a book that focuses on salvation by faith. And the key verse in this book is Galatians 2, 16. It says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It's faith in Christ. It's that simple. My sins were washed away by his blood. By faith in Christ, that he is the Son of God, I am saved. Confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in my heart that God raised Christ from the dead, that he is the Son of God. Thou shalt be saved. It's, we can make it complicated, complicated, complicated. But the bottom line is, it's simple salvation. It's simple grace. It's simple knowledge. Simple expecting, understanding, faith in Jesus Christ that saves our soul. Let's look at, uh, well here, I, th this is uh, from the Barnes commentary. It says, the object of Paul here seems to be to show that as they had believed in the Lord Jesus and thus had been justified, there was no necessity of obeying the law of Moses with any view to justification. The thing had been fully done without the deeds of the law and now it was unreasonable and unnecessary to exist on the observation of the Mosaic rites. It's, it's unreasonable to think that Jesus' blood is not sufficient to wash away my sins. It's unreasonable to think that the Son of God came to the earth, shed His blood for my sins, and it's unreasonable to think that anything other than simple faith in Him would save my soul. If, if the blood of Jesus Christ isn't enough to wash away your sins, then you're lost. I mean, you can, if that's not enough, if, if God sending his only begotten son to walk on this earth, be beaten, abused, whipped beyond recognition, the Bible says he was, his face was marred more than any man. He was hung on a cross. He died. He resurrected on the third day. If that's not enough, then, then I don't know. I, I just can't know what else to say let's look at let's look at um you're in galatians let's let's look at the last two verses of this chapter chapter two i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ lives in me and the life that i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god 
who loved me, and not only did he love me, but he gave himself for who? For me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If righteousness, salvation, any, any of those things come by the law, come by works, then Jesus died in vain. Does that make sense? Yeah. The death of Jesus Christ, the burial, the resurrection, is sufficient to wash away my sins, to separate me from my sins, and simple faith, believing that He is the Son of God, and asking for forgiveness of those sins, is sufficient to put me into the body of Christ and move me out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of heaven, awaiting translation into the kingdom of God. Uh, you're in Galatians. Let's pop over to Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> the book of Ephesians was written while Paul was in prison. This is the uh, third book that he wrote. The theme is the unity of the believers through the blood of Jesus or through, G through Christ. And so whenever we look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we see that Paul says, For by grace are you saved. Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Lest any man should boast. In other words, all the glory for salvation goes unto God, to Jesus Christ. It's not by the works of some man. I mean, I don't care... I don't care who the preacher is, if, if 50 people come down to get saved, they get saved because of the convicting power of the Holy Spirit as the person was used by God to minister the Word of God and they get saved by faith in Christ and that minister can take no glory saying, well, 50 people got saved under my preaching. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> if, if that's true, if it's under your preaching, then, then, then that tells me that that's works. And you need to be careful when you start taking on God's things and attributing them to yourself. That's a dangerous place to be. Because if you start reading your own newspaper clippings, it won't be very long till you'll fall. Look, look at history. Look at, the, look at the book of uh, Ecclesiastes. Look at the life of Solomon. You start believing your own, you start believing you have anything to do with it at all, and you'll, you'll fail because you can't take God's glory. That's God's glory. He made it. He did it. It all belongs to him. So, before I get on a soapbox, let's go. Let's look one more place. Romans 3. Let's go to Romans 3. I really thought I was going to finish up early tonight, but I don't think I am. <laughs> Romans 3. <laughs> 24 through 28. Romans 3, 24. Being justified freely. By his grace, through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, when God has set him forth to be a propitiation. Now, we talked about that word last week when it's in 1 John twice. It's in 1 John two times, and it's the word propitiation. Do you remember what that word means? It means the perfect sacrifice that was made to satisfy a judicial requirement. 
Jesus was the perfect sacrifice that was made to satisfy the judicial requirements of God, and therefore Paul and John use the word propitiation. I know it's a big word, but that's the meaning of the word. Propitiation. Through faith in His blood. Through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, how far do I go? 28. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth, which believeth in Jesus by faith. Where is boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. We are saved, our sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are saved by faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And that's as, as complicated as it is. So, the last thing we're going to talk about here tonight, if nobody has any questions, is saving faith is demonstrated by works. So, we've talked about this, but whenever you get saved, um, the, whole, the, the blood of Jesus Christ washes away your sins, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and He seals. He is the earnest, the, the, the down payment. He's the thing that, that, that changes, your, changes your mouth, changes your thoughts, changes things in your life. And when you get saved, when you get... Tr now, you can come down here and say some words and walk out of here, but the way I know you're saved is that when you walk out of here, you're different than you were when you walked in. So faith is demonstrated. The fact that you're saved is demonstrated by works. So you know, do you understand what I'm saying there? I'm not saying you're saved by works. I'm saving the, the salvation that you got. If your heart is truly changed, then the Holy Spirit will come in, and, and I've watched it a hundred times. I've seen people come down here with such a sad look on their face, tell me they need to get saved, pray a sinner's prayer if you would, ask the Lord in their heart, and I've watched their faces light up. I can, you can tell when somebody truly gets saved. And you can tell when they're just repeating words too. You can tell when somebody gets saved. Their face changes. Their, their countenance changes. They, their eyes change. Their eyes get a twinkle, get a brightness about it. And you know that they're saved. And whenever you're saved, you're going to demonstrate that salvation by works. You're going to change. Uh, let, me, let me read this. After we are saved by grace through faith, then we demonstrate that salvation by works. We change our habits, our lifestyles, our friends, etc. because of the saving faith in Christ. So you're saved by faith through grace, but that salvation is demonstrated by works. So is that confusing to anybody? You okay? Let's look at James. You're in Romans, so let's go back a few books. We went past, we're going to go past Hebrews, and we're going to go to the next book, which is James. So let's go to the book of James, the second chapter, and let's look at verse 14 through 18. 
James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Now James was written to the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. This is a, this is a reaffirmation of the, the basics of, of Christianity. Some of the basics in, in two, chapter 2, verse 14. He says, are you there? He says, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace and be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. Verse 26 said, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So when you're saved by faith, then that saving faith is going to be demonstrated by works. Now in verse 14, he says what? He says, um, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Can faith save him? So if you read on your sheet here, verse 14, it says, The question, can such faith save him? is so structured in the Greek text, we're going to do a little hermeneutics here, is so structured in the Greek text that it expects a negative answer. As in the passage, that hearing must be accompanied by doing, and that's chapter 1, verse 22 through 24, if you want to read that. Hearing must be accompanied by doing, so in 2, 14 through 26, faith must be attended by action. The epistle leaves no place for religion. Hallelujah. Hmm. The epistle leaves no place for a religion that is a mere mental acceptance of the truth. Just a mere mental acceptance of the truth is not saving faith. But when you're saved by faith through grace, you will demonstrate that you're saved by works. You will change some things about yourself. You'll change some habits. You'll clean up some things. You'll, you'll try to become, every day you'll try to become more like Christ. You may falter and fail. You may stumble a few times. You may have the devil speaking in your ears telling you, really, you really didn't get saved. You may have all that going on. But I'm telling you, if you stumble, you simply say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm doing the best I can. And, and forgive me. And the Lord says, walk on, son. Walk on. Through faith, I'm through faith, I'm being saved, being saved, being saved. Not through works, not saved by works, but when I'm saved, I will show forth works. So if someone says they get saved, but they go back to drinking and partying and, and doing everything they were doing before, then, then bitter water and sweet water can't come out of the same well. You're either bitter or you're sweet. And when you're sweet, then the works that you do are going to be works that demonstrate the faith that you have. The saving faith that you have. Is that, does that make sense? So, I wrote a few examples from the book of Hebrews. And all of these are Old Testament guys. By faith, if you want to turn to Hebrews, you can read along, you can. I'm just going to read my short version here. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. So, his faith caused him to do a work. You understand that? Faith caused a work. By faith, Noah prepared an ark. By faith, oh, you have to read. I have to read that one. That's too brief. Hebrews eleven eight. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, 
So Abraham obeyed. By faith, Abraham stayed gone. <laughs> he didn't return back to the land where he came from because God told him that was the promise. That was his land. So by faith, and he didn't own a bit of it. He didn't own none of it. You know what he did own? A graveyard. He finally bought a graveyard and a field. He finally bought one to put, to put Sarah in it. But other than that graveyard that he paid an exorbitant amount of money for, he owned none of that land that God said you're going to own all of it. But when he died, he owned none of it. But by faith, he stayed there. By faith, Sarah received strength to have a child when she was 90 years old. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Isaac blessed his sons. By faith, Joseph gave commandments concerning his bones. Remember that? When you leave this land, take my bones with you. By faith, he said that. It didn't happen for about another 110 years. But by faith, Joseph spoke it. By faith, Noah was hidden for three months because they saw he was a, a good kid, huh? Who? What about Moses? Did I say, what did I say? Noah. Noah. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you confused me. <laughs> I know I said Moses, it's right here. By faith, Moses was hidden <laughs> three, three months. So by faith, he was hidden. Faith and showed by an action. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. By faith, Moses went through the Red Sea. Have you ever thought about that? You ever thought about that? how much faith it took to look out there at a sea that's standing up there, probably, I imagine, 40 or 50 foot tall. I don't really know. But I, I would think it's pretty big. And the wind's been blowing all night. That water's been up for a long time. And they, by faith, they, you know, I, I just think if I was the first guy, I'd kind of went, <laughs> something like that, you know. You're going to stay up? <laughs> you know, I got a long ways to go here. I got to go all the way across this riverbed. You know, and then once it stayed up for a little while, I think I'd have scurried, get on across there. You know, that's, that's what I think I would have done. I mean, you know, that's because when Pharaoh's people tried to do it, their faith didn't didn't hang too good. <laughs> they, they, I'm just saying the first guy. <laughs> yeah, once you, once you've got a few million across, the last guy saying, "Oh, ain't nothing to this." <laughs> So, by faith, the first guy walked through the Red Sea. <laughs> Moses went through the Red Sea. By faith, Rahab received the spies. So, faith in Christ, in the atoning work of Christ, faith that I'm bought in with a price, that faith is always demonstrated by a work. But the work doesn't save me. It just demonstrates my faith in Christ. Are you with me? Because faith without works is dead. If you say you're saved, but you don't put forth any works, then something's not right there. Something's not right. Because if you're saved, then you're going to want to do some works. You're going to want to change some things in your life. You're going to want to be kinder. You're going to want to start the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are going to start producing. You're going to start having a tree of life begin to produce fruit within you. And so we're saved by faith, by grace, through faith. And once we're saved, that faith that we have is demonstrated by works. Everybody good? 829.
look at me. Look at me. I don't remember the rest of it. <laughs> Something about a tree. Anyway. All right. Well, if nobody has any questions, I hope. Uh, do do y'all want to keep doing this? Is this helpful? Yeah. Okay. All right. So next, uh, we'll have a business meeting next week. But when we get when we get back to this, we're going to talk about um, some things that we do in order to protect ourselves from the enemy being able to tell us that we're not saved. We're going to talk about that. So anyway, all right. Stand with me tonight, if you would. Then you know what I am. I am so excited and so blessed I mean we've been doing these Bible studies for 16 years and uh, I'm, I'm so excited and blessed that I have a group of people that enjoy these kind of things because this is what I love to do this is this is my this is my bread and butter this is I, I would I would come up here every day if I could shut myself in and just do these things I, I love them and I'm so blessed that you like them too, because <laughs> if you didn't like them, I'd, 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 I don't know what I'd do. I guess we'd just start twiddling our thumbs or something. I don't know, but I thank God I don't have to figure that out. So I want to say thank you so much for, for enjoying the Word, for loving the Word, for being interested in the Word. Um, I, just, I just appreciate you so much for that, and I love you tonight, and God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 All right. Yeah, they blow sugar up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. All right, join with me in prayer tonight as we close for Uncle, Uncle Wilbur. Wilbur. Okay, Heavenly Father, Lord God, you see this request, Father, and in Jesus' name, Lord God, we ask for your healing touch in this body, Father. We ask, oh God, that you would be with him, Lord God, that you would heal him, Lord God, that you would minister to him, oh God. Father God, and I don't know his condition, Father God, but if he's not in relationship with you, I pray, oh God, that you would use this, oh God, to cause him, Lord God, to come into relationship with you, Father that you would wash away his sins, O God, you would minister to his heart, Father, that you would heal his body, Father, mentally, physically, in every area, Lord God, bring healing to this man, O God. And Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that you hear. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you answer our prayers. And God, I thank you for this congregation tonight, Lord God. I thank you for the love of the word that they have, O God. I thank you, Lord God, for the wisdom, Lord God, that you give us, O God, to understand what your word is saying, Father. And now I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would anoint them, that you would empower them. Lord, that you'd give them an opportunity to be used by you today, O oh God, for, 
for this or this week, O oh God, because they said they wanted to give themselves away, and I believe them, Father. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless their going in and you would bless their going out, O oh God. Lord, the God, that you would bless them, Lord God, in the basket and in the store, O oh God. I pray that you'd bless them in everything they put their hands to, God, and that you would prosper them in every area of their life. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. You're late. Oh. Did you have something to say, Blake? Oh. Blake has something to say. Okay. I think you do. Go ahead. I'll just talk real quiet. Uh, my name is Blake. Oh. <laughs> uh, we got Operation David coming up March the 8th, and it's going to be here at Oak Grove Harvest Assembly of God. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it's here. Uh, we'll be back there, actually, not in here, March 8th, and then we're going to do our derby car race at, on March 9th at 10 a.m. We're going to get flyers made up, sent to Sperger Elementary and Fred Elementary and maybe Warren Elementary. I will wind up needing some volunteers. Uh, some people would like to help. I'm actually going to ask Sam and Zach for one, see if they want to help out. Uh, other than that, just be praying for us and praying for the Ranger program. Thank you all.